Okay, we are ready to start our new panel. So hello, Dr. Pai, nice to see you again. Nice seeing you. Thank you for devoting so much time to us and giving us an opportunity to learn all the information that you've spent so much time studying, so thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, hi, Anthony, nice to meet you for the first time. Hey, it's an honor, great to be here. Thank you for being willing to join us. I know that you have had a very high profile um, career and a lot of very well-known books that have been New York Times bestsellers. So we greatly appreciate you coming on and sharing directly with us your information. Well, of course, anything I can do. Great. Wonderful. So to start, if both of you could just give us a quick 30-second <clears throat> rundown of, or one-minute rundown of just with your background, what you've been doing the last 10 years, your books, and just uh, general background on what's been going on with you for the last 10 or so years. Uh, Dr. Pai, if you want to start. Sure. So my name is Dr. Sunil Pai. I'm an integrative medicine physician. That's my specialty. I'm formally trained in integrative medicine. As I mentioned in the video before, I've, I've, I've studied further plant-based nutrition, medical yoga, acupuncture, neuroacupuncture, physiological regulating medicine, homotoxicology, uh, functional medicine, Ayurvedic medicine. So kind of all, the, all uh, an encompassing uh, variety of uh, indigenous and natural therapies, in addition to conventional medicine. Uh, what I've done is, you know, we, we focus in our clinic on evidence-based therapies, uh, using a, you know, factual scientific approach, uh, but looking at, you know, not keeping anything off the table, looking at every culture, uh, every indigenous medicine, every natural medicine that we have historical use. And now we have a lot of clinical trials. I did write a best-selling book, uh, An Inflammation Nation, which is the definitive 10-step guide on how to prevent, reverse, and treat all disease by change, changing your diet, lifestyle, lifestyle and using natural anti-inflammatories. And uh, we created certain products like our flagship Bosmeric SR that is one of the largest uh, best-selling natural anti-inflammatories out there. And we focus on, in the last 10 years, we're looking at now, uh, looking at, you know, further nutrition. So we do a lot of nutrition testing, microbiome testing, food sensitivity testing. I've spoken on the, the real truth about health multiple times in the last, uh, I think I have six lectures now or seven lectures on, on, on this series. So these are things that people can look at, like from a, a complete integrative perspective of changing patients' epigenetics, their diet, lifestyle, their environment, and their belief system on getting them healthier and happier to towards optimum health. Thank you, great. Um, and Anthony, would you like to also give us your same feedback? Okay, hold on, we'll come back to him in just a moment. Um, so Dr. Pai, just a quick thing for someone who's saying, um, you know, I already speak to a nutritionist and my doctor's a great guy and he seems to know what's going on. Is there something different that someone would find out speaking to you then they're very friendly, nice medical doctor who they go to, and they're very nice, friendly nutritionist that they go to. Why do they need to listen to our panel um, with someone named Dr. Sunil Pai and Anthony William um, when they already have a doctor and they already have a nutritionist? What's what's different about talking so, to you? So the average person answers the yeah, question, Stephen. The average person actually has more than one doctor in America right now. They have a primary care specialist and they have a few specialists like, like the patients that I see. They have chronic disease. They'll have the cardiologist, the neurologist, the GI doctor, you know, psychiatrists or, you know, and then they have, you know, orthopedics. Uh, as well as the, where I live and, and the clients that I see will have an acupuncturist, a chiropractor, a natural path, et cetera, right? So, the, so this barrage of you know, care, which is good and bad on some levels, but at the end of the day, the patients are really sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know, the average person that we see will take about eight to 12 pharmaceutical drugs, but they're also taking about 10 to 20 different supplements as well. 
So it's kind of a little bit of everything, a hodgepodge. And we have to look at, you know, evidence-based wise, what can we do with diet, lifestyle, and natural therapies alone that we can help reduce the, the, the use of just treating symptoms, which kind of conventional medicine does very well. And look at, you know, the epigenetics of using natural therapies, looking at dietary and lifestyle changes that we can now improve their overall health. Someone having a nice doctor or a, be, or a mean doctor to me doesn't any, mean anything. It's like if your labs is everything is within normal range and you're feeling fantastic, you have great energy, you have great cognition, you have great diet digestion, you have great libido, you have, you know, all your numbers are where they're supposed to be, then they don't need to see me. But the fact of the matter is that most people are not feeling as well as they should be. And that's why we try to provide them a better approach to their overall health. Um, one thing, you know, I feel that a lot of people feel pressure to present the results of what happens with their patients in a positive light. But the reality is this isn't a miracle. If you eat a whole food plant-based diet, it doesn't mean that everything's perfect. So when you see people switch to a whole food plant-based diet and a low inflammation lifestyle, what, how often does this work as opposed to how often do people stay sick, diabetes gets worse, obesity gets worse, heart disease, cancer, like we're almost getting a distorted view like this always works when maybe people are just presenting the good results and not the bad. If you took every single person that's come to see you, how often do you feel like the lifestyle gets the results they want? And how often do we feel like it just can't do it? Doesn't so work. I'd say, I'd say about 85% of everybody will get better, right? The, why is that not 100%? It's because not everybody's compliant. Not everybody can make all the lifestyle changes because of it's difficult to change. Right. So what we look at is that we like to look at risk reduction. I'm not a perfectionist. So there's other people on the panels and the and this conferences who are really like hardcore perfectionists. I'm not looking at perfection because that this raises the bar too high for the average person. I'm a risk reductionist. So we go through all your epigenetic changes, all your labs, all your factors from your microbiome to your foods to your stress levels to how you sleep and your energy levels, etc. And we try to modify those behaviors appropriately. So we're optimizing the result. Right. The, the key is not saying like, oh, my God, you have to be just eat a whole food plant based diet on the panel that I was with earlier <clears throat> uh, with uh, Dr. Khan and Dr. Furman. Some of the discussion was like, oh, you know, even people eating a whole food plant based diet and Dr. Furman's, you know, a subset of his database uh, of his patients have been eating that way still had dementia. And they were kind of stuck. Well, what's wrong? Well, like, why are they getting dementia? Because there's more than just the diet that causes disease. It's the largest contributing factor to disease. And that by modifying that, you'll reduce the amount the most. However, there's still environmental toxicities, there's still stress, there's other things that we have to look at, which we do look at in our clinic to fill that void, to fill that gaps, to then improve that outcome in as many people as they want. But then at the end of the day, the rate limiting step is the patient's motivation. So that's why we start off with, you know, all these little steps, because a lot of people want to go hardcore, you know, whole food plant-based or even just juicing or raw or this or that. For me, it's like, you know, I need to move all their parameters, particularly things that we can measure, like their lipids, their blood pressure, their blood sugar. If I start seeing trends and moving them in the right direction, and also I can get people to have that, what we call advanced jump. If I find their food triggers that are causing the most inflammation now, and I get them to change their diet overnight because they have pain or a chronic problem, that will lead them to have a further compliance on changing their full lifestyle. So we like to look at things, at least the way I like it, as risk reduction, reducing all their risk by a variety of factors rather than just saying, hey, all you got to do is just eat more kale or all you got to do is eat more beans or all you got to do is that. That's what a lot of other people may do. But at the end of the day, the body's a little bit more complex, disease is a little bit more complex. And the simplicity is it's just simple lifestyle changes. It's just encouraging and explaining to the patient why they need to do those things. Great. Um, 
Anthony, are you there? I'm not able to see you on the screen. I'm not sure if you had to step out for a moment. I think you might have stepped out. Okay. Um, so you wrote a book, Dr. Pai, called Inflammation Nation. An Inflammation uh, Nation, yes. An Inflammation Nation. So last night we had a panel. We had someone in Clint Uber on. And he said that grounding is this very evolved, I guess, science or evolved theory of science or whatever you want to call it. And he said he spent a lot of time and money and it works great for dealing with inflammation. Um, do you agree? I mean, this, you know, it's to, to, before we tell people to go bare for two hours every day, do you agree that um, that grounding is something that's worth devoting a lot of time to? Is it make it? Well, I wouldn't devote all, you know, two hours a day per se, but, you know, getting out more in nature. Yes. There is science that will show that being grounded or being more on the earth will, will have positive beneficial effects. However, if someone has a migraine headache or they have rheumatoid arthritis, I mean, it's not going to reverse the rheumatoid arthritis. So, so let's be clear about that because they have to have an anti-inflammatory lifestyle. That again is the magic bullet theory that everybody's looking at. Well, let me just go do one thing and that's going to cure everything. That's a really kind of loaded question. And that's, and for those people who load a question like that, then they should expect a loaded answer. For me, it's like you have to look at evidence-based. Would it ever harm a patient? No. Should they be more out in nature? Absolutely. Does it increase natural killer cells even going to the mountains and smelling the pine? The data's proven that, right? We call it forest bathing, for example, right? That increase your natural killer cells in the data up to 30 days from just a day spending out in the forest. So yes, we should be doing all those things. But in the real world, the average person now lives in a city, doesn't, you know, lives in a high rise or living, you know, on these concrete buildings so they never really get to the park that's why people like to go to the park or go camping for example on a weekend and so wonderful but that doesn't change that oh my god just because I, I wear barefoot and walk in the sand or walk on the earth that i'm still going to eat my french fries my cheeseburger and smoke so the, the, the goal is like, again, for people who think, oh, I can just do this is like those are people who are not then either following or seeing clients they're just selling product okay uh, anthony do you want to give us a little bit of background of what you've been doing the last 10 years um and Kind of for people that are not familiar with your work, give us a quick update of what you've been doing. Sure, that's great. Uh, been putting out information, highly advanced as far as with chronic illness. I think what, um, I think the thing is with medical medium information, it's always, um, it's always moving ahead all the time as far as both in conventional alternative medicine with chronic illness, not with everything. But with chronic illness, that's the main focus about it. And I think what happens when someone gets sick, it's it's like musical chairs out there. It's not an easy road for a lot of people. If you have a hundred different symptoms, because face it, no one's going to come to the medical medium or medical medium information unless they've been through hell and back. And I think no one's going to say, hey, I want to lose a little weight. I'm going to go call the medical medium. No, or I'm going to go get a medical medium book. It's not going to happen. It doesn't happen. And so it's like, hey, I want to change my diet. I want to get some more exercise. I want to eat better. Let me go and get the medical medium information. It just doesn't happen. No one's going to go to the medical medium books unless they have been through hell. And I mean hell. That means every doctor every single alternative medicine therapy, every single test, um, <laughs> plant-based, keto, carnivore, whatever, all the things. And finally, they say they're down on their hands and knees and they're praying to God. And they're just like, what do I do? And then they're in the grocery store and they see somebody that's got a whole boatload of celery 
I'm like, what are you, what is that? What are you doing? Oh, it's a medical medium. It got my life back. I'm doing all his different stuff. I'm doing his heavy metal detox. I'm doing his celery juice. I'm doing whatever. And it's like, well, he's a medium, you know? And then, and they're like, yeah, no, he's a medium. He hears a voice. The guy's probably crazy. He hears a voice, but I've been through hell and back and nothing fixed it. And I didn't know where to go. And his shit makes sense. <laughs> his stuff makes sense. And so I spent my life helping people one way or another, right? Helping them after they've tried everything, done that, been there, whatever. And that's what medical medium info is. It's just that. It's like, wait a minute. This makes sense. I've tried everything. Let me just try it. Let me try it. And then out of your hundred symptoms, one disappears. And then another disappears and another. And you stay on it and you stay on it and you stay on it. And then you're like, whoa. And that's what it is. It's seasoned to people who come to the medical medium books. You see them in the bookstore. They get told by a friend or somebody. And they're like, I'm going to take a chance because I got nothing left and nothing is being fixed and I can't do, you know. And so that's what happens with chronic illness. Someone needs a hip replacement. They're not going to go to the medical medium books. But if someone has a hip replace, replacement issue and then 100 neurological symptoms, and they've tried everything. They're going to go to their their surgeon and their you know their surgeon, their MD for their hip replacement. But they're going to then grab a medical medium book because they want to know what tingles, numbness, aches and pains, jaw pain, neck pain, back pain, blurry eyes, dizziness, sensations, tingles on the head, tingles on the nose, um, fatigue that's unexplainable to every other kind of symptom, and tremblings and sensations and seizures and all these things. They're going to want to know. How to hell? How the hell can we fix that? And, and by the way, get my hip replacement done, you know, with this guy over here. But how am I going to get rid of that jaw pain after the dentist drilled all my teeth, still didn't fix it? Nothing fixed it. Nothing fixed this. And my jaw pain is to the point where I got to go on opioids because of it. I'm going to go and grab that medical medium damn book and I'm going to crack into it. And yeah, okay, let me get past the whole guy hears a voice thing. Let me get past that. Once you get past that <laughs> and you can get that information, it helps a lot of people. A lot of people are like, I can't just get past hear the hearing the voice thing. I'd rather just die in a river somewhere and float away with my 500 symptoms because I can't, I can't get past hearing the voice. But then if you can get past it, it's, it's beneficial for a lot of people. I mean, that's, that's what the history shows and the results have been in for that. But anyway, it's a little bit about medical medium. <laughs> okay. So if someone said, um, I never met Dr. Pye before. He seems like a nice guy. And Anthony Williams seems like a nice guy. And oh, yeah, I see their books on the Internet. They're fantastic looking. Everything is great. But I just want to know right now, I got a pen and a paper and I am willing to do what you tell me to do. I'm motivated. I'm passionate. I'm trusting as specifically as you can. I'll take your supplement. I'll take Bosmeric. I'll do, you know, I'll do whatever you say. What are the most important things? You know, we'll, we'll start jogging. Assume we would listen. Assume you don't have to motivate us. Assume we're willing to listen. What are, you know, we don't even need the details. You don't even have to tell us the reason why it works. But just give us the recipe right now of the most important 5, 10, 15 things that you want us to do. And then we'll talk about after whether or not we're motivated or what questions we have. But just so we understand the recipe, we don't want any diseases. 
tell us exactly what we should do. Do we need to buy a sauna? Do we need to have vitamin <laughs> A? You know, just tell us exactly what to do as, as crisply as you can so that tomorrow we can start preventing any disease. And I'll Dr. take Pye, Dr. Pye, you want to go first? Yeah, you can go first. I'll wait. You know, what happens is it's about customizing. That's that's what I would say. You know, it's about customizing. So um, if you crack open a medical medium book, it's not one size fits all. It's just not. Um, I think what, if you're somebody that's eating animal products, you can still do medical medium, but still do it. If you're somebody that's, you know, plant-based already, you can still, you can do medical medium. If somebody's vegetarian, you can still do medical medium because if you don't have your diet in a great place, it doesn't mean you can't embark on all the different tools. It's about customizing really. So what I would say is learn the information and customize it, be your own detective, become your own expert. And that's what I would say to anyone. So I, you know, I would like make sure you read the books, find out where, like, like for instance, like the blood draw part of medical medium, a lot of doctors are changing the rules because of medical medium information, they're drawing less blood. And, you know, if you go to a doctor and they take 40 vials of blood, 30 vials of blood, 25 vials of blood, and then you go back, they take another 12, another seven, another 10, another 15, you go back, it's another 20. What's happening is you're getting depleted. Symptoms can worsen. The doctor doesn't know. And because the system is built in a way to, to allow a lot of blood being drawn, right? And so this is one example. I've seen people have their lives change. This is one out of hundreds and hundreds of medical medium tools. Just reducing the amount of blood taken at one time can make or break someone rising out of the ashes. Literally, just that alone. I've seen people with Lyme disease. They're getting 20 more vials, 20 more vials. I'm getting worse. I'm getting worse. I'm getting worse. Well, you better get in here and take 20 more vials. And what's happening is I know that everybody's like, all health professionals around the world are like, your immune system's in your gut. Your immune system's in your gut. Well, I scratch my head on that one because your immune system is in your bloodstream, within your blood vessels, within all the organs, within everything. But your immune system is everywhere, right? But we'll be like, immune system's only in the gut, only in the gut. And I got all, all the respect for, for health professionals that believe that. I'm not saying that you don't have an immune system in your gut. But it, it, it leads to a kind of a misunderstanding of really what's happening. Because when you're drawing out all that blood, you're taking somebody's immune system and removing it while they have a chronic illness, which means their immune system is already struggling and no one really knows why. They probably have like HSV-1. They probably have two Epstein-Barrs. They probably have two varieties of shingles. They probably have two varieties of HHV-6 and they have all these different viruses. They probably have two or three streps. Their immune system is already struggling. They got neurological symptoms and then their, their blood is being removed constantly, constantly. And this becomes a trap, a true trap. And so this tool alone has saved lives for people who have come to medical medium information because you can tell your doctor, I want less blood drawn, do half vials and the, the lab will take it. I, I, I know doctors all around this country now and around the globe that are actually drawing less blood and they're saying to the, to, they're saying to the labs, 
run it. And labs are starting to accept it and be like, you're right, we don't need much blood. Think about how much you can do with just one drop of blood. Quarter vials, half vials, asking for that and less vials. But this is just an example. I'm only saying this is because here's somebody struggling and trying to get better while they're being drained of their reserves. And it's hard when you got chronic illness. That's just one example. And so you can customize your direction with MM books because, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be, this is like an MM book thing. That's not what this is. We're trying, you know, I know we're all here trying to help anyone who's looking for answers. And, uh, and I'm honored to be here with Dr. Pai, by the way, does incredible things. So the, the whole thing is, is just that alone can change the course of someone's recovery and survival with chronic illness is knowing when to be like, whoa, taking a lot of blood and too many times, let's do less, let's do more appointments with less blood at once. And I've seen people just recover from that alone, never mind all the other tools and things and problems of, you know, the other is learning what's wrong with you. Once you know what's wrong with you, that's a big one. I think one of the biggest thing, the biggest problems with people struggling is when you don't know what's wrong, it's the chaos that ensues. It's chaos. It's, it's, it's losing faith in your body, losing, losing faith in your own health, in your own being, in your own body. That's a big one right there. It's somebody saying, I really still don't even know what's wrong with me. I've already talked to 10 or 15, 20 doctors, 10 health coaches, 10 nutritionists, 10 dietitians. I've been through hell and back, but I really don't know what's really wrong with me. And that's a big one right there. And once they find some answers and those answers, and I'm not just talking about you got a gallbladder problem. That's what was wrong. And there we are. And I'm not talking about that. I'm pro I'm pro conventional medicine and, you know, and I'm pro alternative medicine. And I think a lot of people, they don't, they have problems with that because I notice a lot of people, even in the vegan movement, they're like, no, conventional medicine is, is evil. It's evil. And it's not, you know, so I support all walks of life in the health professional world and what, what has helped so many people. But once you're finding out like what's really, truly the root it's really, truly wrong. And you couple that with some really powerful tools, like just being cautious about blood draw. These are things, these are just building blocks to get somebody to where they need to go. And then the, you know, and there's so much other stuff you can customize and work with. But I mean, that's what I would say to somebody if they, if they first rolled in and to a medical medium book, and they're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what, where do I start? What's the top five things I can do? Probably the first thing I'd say is how much blood is being drawn? Well, I get blood drawn once a month, 15 vials. I'd be like, okay, you might want to talk to your doctor. Ask your doctor if it's okay you do half vials. Ask your doctor if you could do more appointments for blood draws, but smaller amounts at one time. And then it, this is just one example, but anyway. So I'll give it to you, Dr. Pai. <laughs> okay, thank you. Just one quick thing. Are you against all blood draws or just you're saying when you do it, do smaller amounts? No, no, I'm not against blood draw at all, right? Um, but there's a, there's, I mean, the sicker you get, the more blood is being drawn. Remember that, right? So I've seen people where they're getting sicker, even at, their blood draws making them sicker. And then they have to come in to get more blood drawn because no one knows that the blood draw the blood they just had drawn 
is breaking them down, breaking their immune system down more, taking away critical electrolytes. Somebody with a sensitive central nervous system, some kind of neurological condition, you take those critical electrolytes, it doesn't get fixed overnight by drinking some water and eating a chocolate chip cookie. It doesn't get fixed overnight and people get so much blood drawn. So no, I'm all for getting blood, your blood tested for sure. Okay. But but it's about learning how to learning how to do it in the right way. And doctors are changing that now. I think my blood draw episode just on my podcast alone has has changed the like the, the ground with this. And I think including the books, but this is a big one right here. And I'm not telling anybody don't get your blood drawn, but there's a way to do it carefully when you're sick with chronic illness. So you can protect yourself and and actually, you know, have a chance to heal versus go backwards. And I've seen a lot of things happen, especially at Lyme disease patients, 40 vials, 38 vials, 35 vials. And then then they get sent to a specialist, another guy, and immediately orders up another 25 vials. And I've seen people literally just go backwards and backwards. It's devastating, devastating. There's ways of doing things. Still get your blood tested, still get your blood drawn to protect yourself. But that's just one example. Okay, thank you, Dr. Pai. So we bring an evidence-based approach to health. And so from our perspective, what I recommend is that we're looking at an anti-inflammatory lifestyle. Inflammation is a triggering mechanism of all disease. So you want to look at all the factors, uh, not only from the diet, but also from the lifestyle and the environment that are triggering that. We, we look at um, you know, microbiome functioning. We look at food testing. We look at sensitivities. We look at environmental aspects. We look at also the epigenetics, right? the diet, lifestyle, environment, belief system. How do we actually turn and encode DNA and RNA in real time? And it's through the epigenetics. This is what the science has been proven, and this is what we see all the time. But it's not just like ordering tests. The key is, is the art and science to medicine is what we have. And you have to have the experience and understanding of how to interpret those things. So, yes, you know, Anthony might say, well, a lot of people are getting all, you know, seeing all these people. But yeah, they do see a lot of people. And there's a lot of bad providers out there. There's a lot of bad medical information that's being dispelled by subpar practitioners and sub sub-educated people out there, right? Because that's just how the system is, unfortunately. But we have to also not make sure that we're not just reducing everything to simplicity. Like, yes, one thing I would say with Anthony does to say, which I would say I would agree, but in a hospital setting, the number one cause of anemia is blood draw. So are they drawing too much blood in the hospital more times than not? Yes, because there's too many multiple teams. Is someone on an outpatient basis sometimes getting drawn too much? Maybe, sure. Is that a real change in their immune system? Well, not necessarily. That's also a very reductionist type of thinking. You know, your body's replacing its blood all the time. You know, you're, 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 you have trillions of blood cells, billions of blood, blood, blood cells that are re being rebuilt, right? They have a 30, uh, 90 day um, life cycle. So we're always constantly doing that. But the immune system is everywhere. It's not in the blood and it's not just formerly in the gut, right? The, the cells actually have communication. There's actually immune cells that are traveling elsewhere. But what we don't see is that the patient's immune system is decreasing, is that the volume of their blood that contains some of those cell characters are there. But also we have to see that when patients also have, like for example, women who have menstrual cycles every month, you know, it's not that they're lowering their immune system per se, their body's rebuilding those things. So I, I wouldn't get stuck on like, oh, don't, you know, everybody wants a simple, again, quick, simple fixes or simple things to say, but it's the interpretation of that. So when someone's ordering those labs, the key is then do they understand how to interpret that? You know, we can throw out all these viruses that Anthony's talking about, and on some levels, there absolutely there's some there's some data to support that. And when we do those testing, if we find that it is positive or something, then that is something that you know we would share as a commonality. 
when it's negative though, and we can show that it's negative, then it's not like, well, then, then, the, then there's a discussion, well, maybe the tests aren't picking it up, or maybe this is not you know, something further in the future. It's like, no, right now, if that's what it is, if that's what the science is, then you can't discount one thing and say it's something else as, as the other. So we like to look at it from, from that perspective of like, you're building the microbiome, you're building the epigenetics, we're getting that the overall patients, you know, even their mind, body, and the spiritual aspects in center. But again, everybody wants to just do one thing only. And we got to get away from this whole, con you know, even on the, on the diet, it's like, yes, we need to go plant-based as much as you can, but people still have other problems that they can still have because the body and their bio unique on how they absorb those foods, how they approach those foods, the toxicity and how those nutrients are even kept in the foods and how their body can also assimilate those foods. So then that's the individualization that we do in our practice that we're actually able to show through testing when people go through programs, for example, and they're like, they're still not feeling well, it's because we have to now look at an individual basis, but actually having scientific data to show that change or to show a positive or negative result or to show a virus or, you know, a, a reduction of uh, something like a cholesterol, lipid or inflammatory market is key. Otherwise, we're kind of just giving information, not always bad information, but that's just giving information. At the end of the day, we have to have outcome based driven follow up with people, right? Because otherwise everybody can stand from the pulpit and say whatever they want. And we see that all through social media every day in the news every day. And even in the news media, you'll see like, eat this, don't eat that, like literally in the same feed <laughs> on one food. And it's because there's a confusion there. But at the end of the day, I, I always look at is, is measuring outcomes. You have to just measure the outcomes. You have to show, do you have patients? Do you have people that you follow that you can say before and after? Everybody can feel good going for a weekend retreat or any kind of place following something for a short period of time. The goal is, can we actually demonstrate that over and over that health benefit? And that's what we do at Sanjevani. And that's what I do as an integrative medicine physician. Okay, thank you. Now, in terms of juicing, um, is there something special about celery juice or is sunflower sprout juice and spinach juice and cucumber juice also the same or is celery you know, particularly important? And are we better off juicing celery or eating eight stalks of celery? So, and, you know, and should everyone be juicing every day for the rest of their life? Um, everybody has been juicing spinach, beet, carrot, celery stick in there too, um, apples, uh, sprouts, but the needle wasn't necessarily moved with chronic illness. Uh, be a, that's a great drink right there. Just throw anything in a juicer and make some vegetable juice and some fruit juice, fruits and vegetables and run a juice and give that to somebody who's trying to lose weight, trying to get off of fried greasy food and animal products or anything or whatever, anything they're, they're butter, cheese, milk, fried food and pizza. When you're getting them off of that and you put them on spinach, carrot, beet juice, you know, they start seeing improvements. Everything starts going great. Celery juice is for that chronically ill person who's tried all the juices. They've tried it all. They've done the carrot juice and the bee juice. They've done the, all the vegetable and fruit juices. It, that's the whole point. There's a difference, you know? And when you drink 16 to 32 ounces of straight celery juice on an empty stomach first thing in the morning, something magical happens, which is, is I, I think, a big part of why it's taken over. Celery juice wasn't a trend or a fad because it was propelled by money, propelled by uh, advertising dollars. It was an organic movement that exploded because of the fact 
people's the needle was moving for people they're like what the hell i tried every single juice i go to the i go to whole foods i go to the health food stores i try every juice i tried everything the minute i started doing celery juice three days later something's changing seven days later something's changing and um there's a huge difference huge huge difference with celery juice by itself and but juices have been around for forever they've been around for a long time extracting juices and carrot juice and beet juice and everything else you know and and spinach and beet spinach and carrot you name it you go to the store and and you do that but there's a huge huge a difference between celery juice and the regular juices and of course regular juices great for people definitely people can run their juicer all day and put a whole bunch of stuff fruits vegetables and greens anything they want in there and make themselves a really nice juice but celery juice has been life-changing for people that are seasoned, people that really understand it. I mean, the reason why celery juice felt just literally people were just grabbing it off the shelves. I mean, just there's produce trucks that just only bring celery now to all the different health food stores. Um, that didn't exist before. There's a reason for it. I didn't take I didn't take $50 million and advertise celery i didn't take a hundred million dollars in advertised celery like you know the caffeine companies caffeine industry will advertise will take money and boom you know whatever every industry will take tons of money and boom right and any kind of health trend and fad there's money behind it boom to push it out there advertising 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 dollars boom 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 boom, boom. celery juice no I don't even have a celery juice with my name on it, my face on it going, try Anthony Williams celery juice, the famous and the original celery juice. And uh, here, buy it here at Whole Foods. It doesn't exist. Not a dollar went into it. And it has changed and shaped literally all of alternative medicine. It's just go into the produce section and you'll see people just stand there long enough and they're coming in and grabbing their celery and coming again and grabbing their celery in every single grocery store in the U.S. and around the world. And because and they learned how to do it. You don't put lemon in it. You don't put spinach in it. You don't put tomatoes in it. You don't put whatever garlic in it. You don't put anything in it because it has to be by itself. That's why it works. It works because there's a balance with it by itself. Somebody will be like, oh, it's just hydrating. It's hydrating them. Really? That's that's kind of funny because there's a billion ways you can get hydrated. Everybody who's been sick has tried water. First thing doctors tell patients, drink more water. Have you drunk? Have you tried drinking more water with your routine? Right. Hydration in general and and is not celery juice. It's not it's like you know, redeeming factor, whatever you want to call it. It's not its main factor. It's what happens with celery juice is it's undiscovered as far as what it does and its benefits. Sure, you'll see out there now after medical medium exploded it, right? You'll see out there, they say, oh, it's good for low blood pressure, good for high blood pressure. We, <laughs> we're we seeing people, whatever. You'll start seeing that now a little bit, but science research stays the hell away from celery juice if they really took a look at it, if money was invested into looking at it under the microscope, truly running tests, they would find a subgroup of sodium. And whether it's 100 years from now and I'm dead, fine. Let it be discovered then, whatever. I don't care. But there's a subgroup of sodium. All sodium's not the same. All salt's not the same. But who's going to take $250 million and try to find out? Nobody. 
certainly not the conventional medicine world. But yeah, there's a difference. Is it better to take, if we're willing to eat 10 stalks of celery, is that better than celery juice? And how many ounces are you recommending? Celery, if you eat it by itself, if you chop it up, throw it in a salad, it's incredible for you. If you eat three sticks of celery, three stalks of celery, whatever you want to call it, that's great for you. But no, it won't do the same thing. It has to be a large, okay, celery is an herb. It's not a vegetable, but it's it's an actual herb. You're doing herbal medicine. So if you're somebody that's into herbal medicine, you're into herbs, say you're somebody, you're a doctor in the plant-based movement and you like herbs or you're somebody in the plant-based movement or whatever, any movement, and you like herbs, you just like them. You like Chinese herbs, you like, you know, uh, you like all herbs around the planet, right? Herbs from India, just you love herbs. And celery is an herb. And, and when you take that herb and you extract that herb and you, you get rid of the pulp, you get rid of the fiber, you can get fiber in your diet doing anything. You can get fiber. Yeah. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You'll get fiber, right? Eat more, whatever you want. But the point is, is that you're making an herbal extraction. That's the difference with celery. So if you eat three stalks of celery, it's not going to give you enough of that herbal extraction. You need a larger amount of it. That's what's critical with it. So when you do 16 ounces of an herbal extraction, you don't have to have the fiber part of the celery to make it work. It actually goes against it working. You're sitting there crunching down celery sticks. You're not going to get the same benefit. Somebody's moving the needle with with 32 ounces of straight celery juice, the herbal extraction. You see like here, right? That's an herbal extraction. That's nettle tea. That's what I have, right? You don't do this at the end of, you know, you don't do this. You say, hey, I'm going to open up this tea bag because I don't want to throw away the fiber and everything. And I'm going to just eat all that. You're making an herbal extraction. Nettle, Dr. Pai, you probably like nettle, right? That's probably like a, a one of one of the ones that you like as far as the herb. Yes, we do use that. But I want to, if I don't, if I may interject, sure, sure. you know, so, so is there any harm of anybody doing a celery juice? No. Is it the end all be all of everything that we should be doing? No. The challenge is, again, I'm going to keep saying this because this will be my soapbox. And now I figure out where I'm in the middle of this discussion here <laughs> is that, you know, everybody, you're just asking, you know, well, which green juice? Well, so any drinking any juice versus no juice will always be a benefit, pure and simple. Eating more fruits and vegetables are going to be better than eating no vegetables. So if there's a juice that has three ingredients, it's better than the juice that has no ingredients or something else, right? If there's a juice that has 10 ingredients, then it's better. Why? Because we're just getting, but you have to understand at the end of the day, what we've done, because we've had patients who have done these things, right? We even have explored it ourselves, right? Let's just do this thing. And then have, yes, you feel good. You feel great. Is it going to reverse all, end all, be all, change all? No, because you still need more phytonutrients. You still need more antioxidants. You still need to have the rainbow color effect. And we can still measure those things, which we do in our patients, right? So when they come in from any product, whether it's, whether it's a celery juice or a sprouting juice or whatever, carrot, apple, ginger juice, or whatever the juice may be, and different clinics and different places that have these things all around the world the goal is like well then can we measure are they optimized in their antioxidants or b vitamins and their minerals is their microbiome being more balanced or not is you know is there inflammatory markers there is there immune markers better if we measure those we can show that with doing one monotherapy is not the way to look at overall total nutrition it's not a 
bad thing to help boost someone and get someone motivated. Everybody needs a, a reason why they should be walking into the produce aisle. So please do whatever makes you eat more fresh, real food. I'm all for that. So sometimes I'm like, hey, if that's what's going to take you to make to make you believe that plants have the power of healing, which they do, and you can get into eating more plant based, hopefully over time, then please, by any means necessary, do a juice. But at the end of the day, we do end up having a lot of patients, unfortunately, particularly those people who have cancer or chronic diseases, where they're just walking around with their pitchers of juice and they're not doing better. And the reason being is because that's not full and complete nutrition at the end of the day. Even though it's not harmful, it's helpful, but it's not the end. It's a monotherapy. Your body's more complex. Nutrition's more complex. Healing's more complex than monotherapy. Just like I'm not telling yeah. everybody just swallow only curcumin, for example. And that's, a, yes, a lot of things will get better. You can just take all that you want and the inflammation will go down. All these other markers will get better, but that's still monotherapy. So from our perspective or how I practice and from our clinical experience over 23 years of seeing tens of thousands of patients, and following those patients, which is key. Yeah, you right? have to is you have to is know. the demonstrate the demonstration of the use of those things. So so giving yeah. advice is an interesting and it's a nice thing to do. And those people who do those things are great. But you know, trends are everywhere, by the way. I mean, there's always a new juice, there's always a new this. There's also going to be a new burger at the fast food restaurants. That's also a trend, and a billion people will eat that tomorrow too. Doesn't mean that's always the best thing for them, right? These are trends, these are things. Now there's not bad problems with celery. There's no problem with the celery. Is there salt issues or this, that? No, I'm not concerned about any of those things. So it's not going to ever harm people. And people want to do that. But is that something that people should always do or only do? Then that's self-limiting. That's the whole magic bowl theory of like, even the plant-based people, I just need to do this, but they're not going to do anything else with their life, right? That's the challenge that I'm trying to tell people when they're doing these things. It's a great motivating factor to get people to get on board with, hey, you need to start understanding that foods can have a healing power of your body. That's fantastic experience of any kind of juicing or any kind of change in diet. But the idea is that what happens, a lot of people will just say, I just do this and I don't really do the rest that I need to do. And then that's the shortcoming that they will come to. I think to. it's like that with everything. I think it's like that with everything. You can't just do one thing, expect a hundred symptoms to go away. I, I think, you know. Exactly. And that's what I'm trying to tell, you know, yeah, yeah, but, but yeah. I think sometimes the questions and, and, and Stephen, you know, the question would be like, well, which juice is better? Like that's this, this there's always this competitive uh, competition of like, I need to do better. It's like, well, you got to do better. You got to make sure that you're having rainbow colored foods, all the phytonutrients, right? Phyto meaning plant nutrients, like every color, reds, yellows, greens, purples, blues, you know, every shade of green, every shade of gray, every shade of purple, every pink, you know, all, every vegetable, grain, legume, seed, and nut and all that every phytonutrient is something that has an antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, anti-cancer, anti-diabetes, anti-heart disease, you know, beneficial effect at, at making the microbiome more diverse. So if we do monotherapy foods, we can then follow that. That's not helping because it's all about diversity at the end of the day. Yeah, I think I think what happens is, you know, a lot of people, they'll go, hey, let me try this. They'll hear about something. They'll try. Let me try this bottle of whatever it is, curcumin or whatever it is. Let me try this turmeric. Let me try this. And they'll go and they'll do that. They won't do anything else. And but what happened is those things don't ex never exploded like celery juice, which is crazy because when someone says, okay, I'm going to try celery juice. And then what the hell, this is different than the other 20 billion things I tried. That's, I think what, because like I said, it wasn't trended by financial backing, you know, it's like, exactly. No, I, no, I get it. I get, I get the whole not having the monetary aspect, you know, we've done the celery yeah. juice myself. So if anybody's sitting there saying, well, Dr. Pi hasn't done celery juice, haven't tried it. I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm not, we've done that. that, but I'll tell you this, it's still monotherapy. Now, 
taking something like that is going to do is going to remove the crap that people might be eating in their lifestyle that is actually yeah. inhibiting and harming them health, right? So again, I we can take a million different juices every couple of years, by the way. And I'm going to say, I'm not trying to downplay the, the, your benefit of your celery juice, right? But to say that it's the end all be all, which a lot of people are, are pushing is, uh, is a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit fancy. And I know I'm probably going to get trolled from this because I'm talking a little bit negative against the medical medium, but that's okay. I'm evidence-based. I'm like, look, I can show you carrot juice. I can show you green juice. I can show you any juice. No, you're then not what about the trolling. spices that people need that people are not eating spices in their diet. Yeah. So everybody's now talking about just juicing and vegetables and they don't understand the true medical aspect of, of, of that aspect. No, no, I understand. I, I, and spices are, are key for so many people for so many reasons. And, um, you know, the, the thing is, and I totally understand what you're saying, because, yeah, people grab onto one thing and one thing only and they try it and it's really difficult. Um, the only the only thing with the celery juice thing, which is really interesting, is you get see the how it really exploded was it wasn't that person that needed to needed to lose a weight, a little bit of weight or something or needed to get their A1C better. It was people with that were seasoned. That's how it really was came to be. It's like seasoned people. Right. And seasoned people knew what they had in their hands. And then, of course, it moves on to a whole bunch of people that aren't seasoned in their health and they go, I'm going to try celery juice. I, I have a, um, a problem with my gallbladder. I'm going to try celery juice. And they have, you know, 50 stones in their gallbladder and they need they need care for their gallbladder. A glass of celery juice isn't going to fix it like that, you know, but the seasoned people. Um, it can help actually stop gallstones from being created, but seasoned people that have already been. And what we'll like say, what we'll stop that more is actually the celery seed more than just the celery stalk, by the way. That, well, hey, that's, that's actually whole... has more phytochemicals in for prevention of the uh, kidney stones. So that's that's where the seed part is actually the stronger part of, of when we're looking at the spice part or the, the herbs of the celery seeds. No, that's oh, yes. good. That's it's good that's there. And so, yeah, no. And but I'll tell you, like, it's those seasoned people that have years of experience. That's really what what really like happened it was like these people that have like 20 years of sickness and right. oh, man. And then they they felt it hit them like nothing else. I'm not saying it's the be all end all of celery juice. This is one of the medical medium tool tools in the toolbox, but it's it sure as heck has changed and shaped the world and, and sickness, which is, I mean, it's really interesting, but no, Dr. Pye, I understand what you're saying. Like it'll drive, it'll drive anybody crazy. Who's in, in the health field when people are grabbing onto this one thing and grabbing onto this one thing. I mean, you'll get people walking in being like, look, I'm doing neem oil. <laughs> you, you know, you know, Dr. Pye, I'm doing neem oil, you know, Dr. Pye, I'm doing, you know, all this, whatever. And, and then you're just like, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a lot of things you got to do. So a lot of things we got to look at. There's a lot of things we have to look at in your blood work. It, it's, it could be maddening for a lot of health professionals. Let, let me move on to the next question. So this next question is the most irritating question I could ask a speaker. Okay. The audience hates it. It's the, the most horrible question you could ever <laughs> say to any speaker or any audience member. It makes everyone nuts and they can't stand it. And I hate this question also. <laughs> Question is, I'm not sure why you get ask it. Is Brian Clement and Gabriel Cousins claim that fruit has been hybridized? It's too sweet. It's feeding yeast, mulch, um, candida, fungus, and cancers. And they can continue to say that it, you know, if this was a hundred years ago, you'd go outside for maybe three weeks a year and get some very tart, small, wild blackberries, and that would be the only sugar you'd get. 
there'd be no fruit the rest of the year, there'd be no hybridized Fuji apples, and therefore they're claiming that sure, fruits and vegetables is better than a standard American diet, but really there is fructose and sugar. And then they're saying that um, from Boston College um, that, the, uh, that the doctor there is saying that, um, that the food of cancer is glucose and glutamine. And therefore, again, uh, Thomas Seyfried, the saying is saying that cancer's food is glucose and glutamine, and that you have to try to starve both of them. So again, I want to be friends. I love fruit, and I'm the you know criticizing cherries feels like anti nature, but I can't get. They continue to say this. They say they worked with Darkfield and other blood, the other type of blood work to to and did live blood cell analysis for twenty years, and they are saying this about fruit. Do you have feedback? I want to be evidence-based on this, but the problem is if no one studies it and there is no evidence, so help me to understand um, what they're saying and why they are relentless and won't stop saying it. Help me. Dr. Pye, are you, are you anti-fruit? No. I was just why would I be anti-fruit? Well, that I means didn't you're think anti you were. Nutrients, you're anti-antioxidants, <laughs> you're anti-fiber, you're anti-anti-inflammatory proteins. You know, every study that's looking at phytonutrients and, and anti-cancer benefits, for example, will show that all every single phytonutrient has an anti-cancer benefit. That's why we're trying to look at rainbow-colored foods. Now, I wouldn't be juicing all day long fruits like for excess sugar, but really what happens when we show, I'll just give you an example. So they used to tell diabetics not to have um, blueberries because it raised their blood sugar, right? And then what the studies were looking at, so well, they're putting a few blueberries on oatmeal and it spiked their blood sugar. So unfortunately, medicine would say, hey, shouldn't be eating fruit because it raised your blood sugar. You have diabetes because of the, you know, this, this glucose, fructose in the fruit. However, what we now know is that when they eat a serving of fruit, a serving of blueberries, a fourth of a cup, for example, then it actually will decrease their blood sugar. Why? Because it has an anti-inflammatory effect without a higher amount of phytonutrients. It has more fiber. It has the, the, the antioxidants and it has uh, anti-inflammatory protein. So the key is, is uh, I don't listen to what Brian Clement would say, by the way, my personally. Uh, and, um, you know, the data will show worldwide. I mean, if you look at even people in the blue zones, they're still eating fruit. They're not eating fruit. They're living past 100. If you look at any study or any group of people who live the longest, fruit is part of it. Now, again, we have to look at probably getting more organic, more you know, non-GMO, et cetera, not using it as a fruit juice where we're just putting a bunch of other things or sugar in there as well. But you know, to say not to eat fruit, then, you, then most people don't either understand the nutrition or the biological complexity of, of all the wonderful aspects of antioxidants, vitamins, phytonutrients, and fiber. I, I look at it. Um, good info, good info, Dr. Pye. I look at it. Um, then if we're not, if we're going to try to keep glucose out of the way of our cells, if we're going to try to keep glucose away from our organs, we may as well just cash it in now. <laughs> we may as well just forget about it. We may as just may as well just forget about life or living. Um, at, our existence depends on glucose to the cells. What's the best glucose? Well, it's fructose, whether anybody likes it or not. It's fructose. That's the best glucose. It's sugars from citrus and papayas and melons and anything else you want to eat, right? Apples, berries, cherries, whatever. It's sugars from these. 
and potatoes. That's another great one too. So, um, but, and, and there's other, there's other foods. I'm not naming the whole list. It's just try not to try not to punish me if I don't cover them all right now. <laughs> but the point is, is we can't exist otherwise. We can't. And even avocados, which is a fatty fruit, has a, a substantial amount of actual uh, fructose in it. So we have to realize that it's how we exist. It's how we live, how we think, how we breathe. It's glucose. It's sugar. Take sugar away from us, we're screwed. And so what you have to see, which I agree, right, is, is what is that fructose or glucose coming with, right? So when it's coming with all the antioxidants, phytonutrients, all those wonderful benefits, then that's why we have the benefits of that. Now, most of the standard American diet and what we're eating in ultra processed foods is just, as you know, as everybody knows, is ultra refined and processed, which is then terrible. That's when sugar got the evil aspect. But I think people are trying to then boil down, again, a simplicity of nutrition and saying, well, it has sugar in there on some level of like glucose or fructose, and it's, it's possible, but it's not good for you. But you have to understand all the other things that are compiled in it. There's hundreds of phytochemicals. Even when we look at, for example, a kale, we'll have like 90 different phytonutrients. So even though we think of just vitamin K2 or folic acid, there's so many other compounds in every ber berry, every fruit. That's not just the main beta carotene, for example. So this is where we have to look at, you know, don't worry about the, the, the sugar from there. I'm worried about the average person going out to fast food or getting packaged candied foods or can, you know, things that actually have extra added sugar. Like I'm getting a coffee and getting a, a latte that's filled with, you know, sugar or Coca Cola products or you know any kind of thing like that i think that's where we should be shifting the discussion instead of vilifying fruit which people should be eating then to actually saying well you should maybe get rid of these bad sugary products because you know even at the end of the day anthony's right our cells run our universal training daughter dollar of our cell is glucose so we do need to have it and that's why when people thought like you know cancer is just uh, is just taking glucose as its energy and restricting you know carbohydrates in the diet and people shifted towards ketogenic diets in the animal models that we were participating at john hopkins in 2008 we started to see that when we restricted the animals to 100%, so they weren't getting any glucose, the cancer cells were able to change their metabolism, use, use ketones to grow the cancer cells, right? So the body's really complex. It will use energy from different sources, but the idea is we need to get the source that has all the other benefits with it, and that's what you get with fruit. Yeah, you don't want to strip it down to nothing. You don't want to strip sugar down to nothing where it's got nothing in it. And if you eat piles of, sun, eat piles of sugar that has nothing in it, then you're in trouble. Even cane sugar has got nutrients in it, you know, sugar cane itself. I mean, you have things in there that are critical, but if you strip all those nutrients away, then you have just straight sugar and nothing else. You removed all the antioxidants, you removed all the phytochemical compounds, then you're dealing with an entirely different species of sugar. Genetically modified sugar too is not great. So put all that together, but does it feed actual cancer? Cancer will eat anything. It will eat anything. So that's something to keep in mind. And what is cancer? Cancer is a blend of a couple of different things. You have to have a specific amount of toxins in the body and specific amount of pathogens. But in the end, yeah, you if you're eating something and that is missing so many of the things like Dr. Pai is talking about too, the antioxidants and all those different phytochemical compounds if it's missing that then we really get in trouble um that's you know that's the whole thing but i think it's not that it's not that cancer will eat sugar 
It's not that cancer will eat uh, fat, cancer will eat protein. It's a combination of really the right circumstances in somebody's body. That's a big part of it. You got to have all these toxins and you got to have all these pathogens. And the combination of both of those is really what goes wrong, but we can't blame fruit is what I'm saying. You can't say fruit is going to give you cancer. Fruit is going to feed cancer. Fruit is going to, you know, um, turn on you so that the cancer turns on you or cancer will feed off the fruit. We can't go that way. I think if we go that route, we're, we're in a dangerous place because like Dr. Pai was saying, there's all this medicine in there and glucose is what our bodies thrive on is what I was say, saying too. So if your body thrives on glucose, that glucose has to be filled with these nutrients to help slow down or prevent cancer. And it's critical, right, Dr. Pai? Yes, and you have to understand that nature is kind. Humans may not be, but nature is always kind. So, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not a double cheeseburger or a, a, a ice cream sundae that's coming out of the plant, right, that we're eating, right? And also eating it in a certain amount, so it's not just juicing and then extracting it. And yes, there's little extremes of, of the people doing juicing, but, but to say to limit fruit, then also there's a limit of like, well, then those people, you know, because we see, again, when people do these restrictive diets, because they go to places, then we can see that their, 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 their overall condition doesn't improve because you need phytonutrients. Again, a lot of people think antioxidants are one thing and phytonutrients are completely different. You need to have the color. You need to have the phytonutrients. That's only found in a lot of the fruits. They have the spectrum of the rainbow a lot, right? Now, we also get it from all the vegetables and also the, the grains, legumes, but we're getting some specific phyto compounds in fruits. So, so I would never restrict anybody from fruits. Now, what we do, though, we would like to look at of the plant foods that we have. Does a patient have a sensitivity to any of those foods? And yes, they can. Can they have an immediate IgE or a delayed IgG4 reaction up to four days later after exposure to a fruit? Absolutely. So people can come back with the sensitivity to citrus, for example, or melon or an apple or something else like that. So yes, those are other aspects where certain fruits could be more individualized. We're saying, hey, you know what? You might need to back off that because your immune system is having a problem with that. And we can also retrain that person's immune system to become more tolerant to that. But we, at the end of the day, why we want to train someone's immune system to be more tolerant and also fix their microbiome, which is one reason why they have those issues as well, is because we still want those phytonutrients as much as possible. Yeah. Okay. And when I was let's saying cancer, will, and when I was saying, uh, excuse me, sorry, Steve, when I was saying cancer feed, feed on anything, you know, Industrial, industrialized toxins, chemicals, um, toxic, toxic chemicals and so forth. Um, all those things, that's what I mean. It'll eat anything. It'll eat any kind of garbage in a toxic form too. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Okay. So, so let, let me go yeah. on with some more questions. So, um, and for the, the remaining questions, just give shorter 30 second answers so I could run through a couple of things just to get your feedback, even though we won't get as much detail. Um, in terms of if someone has an infection and the doctor says, take an antibiotic, do you two take antibiotics or do you, and do you recommend them or do you do something herbal? What's your approach to antibiotics or, or is there a substitute for it or how do you guys handle that? Dr. Pai, you, you first or me? Go ahead. Okay. 30 seconds. I would be honored. Um, I don't take antibiotics, but it doesn't mean antibiotics don't have a place uh, for people um in certain conditions so i'm not anti-antibiotic that's not it at all it's important to know it's just there's a place in time you know of course do do what your doctor tells you do what's right for you with your doctor all that but um if someone needs an antibiotic 
there's a lot of different reasons someone could be up against the problem. So you can't, we can't put it in one, just boom. Do they, is it good to take an antibiotic or not? There's so many different variables. It's insane. And variables where you're dealing somebody dealing with somebody that has what kind of bacterial infection that alone just changes the ballpark, right? Is it streptococcus streptococcal? Is it something else? Is it a staph infection? Is it MRSA? What is it that they're dealing with? Is it, some kind of other bacterial infection. The point is, is that all these things matter and they play a role. So you can't really, you can't say antibiotics are evil. Never take one. No one should ever touch one. They should just be eradicated off the face of this planet. And the medical system can't say that at all. So many different situations. And then people, they get in trouble. They're not taking care of themselves. They're never taught to take care of themselves. They don't know what to do for their health. They, have, they don't have any idea. And they're just, they're getting sick. They're getting UTIs. They go to the doctor. They get an antibiotic. Getting another UTI, doctor, antibiotic. They get another, and it keeps on going in these vicious cycles. And, but they're not being taught what they can do so that they can eventually not have a UTI and eventually not have to rely on an antibiotic, which is crisis medicine. So that's crisis medicine. So it all depend, depends on what's happening in certain situations. And don't get me started on Lyme disease, whole nother thing. I mean, that's a whole nother situation as well that, um, that I've written about over and over again, um, about you know a time and place for an antibiotic for all kinds of, of different aspects of medicine. But that's just a, a quick, quick response. 10 seconds, Dr. Pye. <laughs> so in our practice, we actually use a lot of natural antimicrobials, natural antivirals, natural antifungals, natural antiparasitics. So you have to first understand what the condition or that you're treating, number one. Number two is that then, then you have to look at of those things, potency, purity, safety, and efficacy. Because everybody will say, oh, I take this for a candy or I take this for a parasite. It's like you have to look at the potency of the herbs. Are you getting it at a clinical dose, right? And the other thing is like, remember, none of these things are only going to knock out the bad guys. They also knock out good guys. So we do a lot of, especially when it comes to microbiome, because a lot of people are now treating gut issues all the time now with cleanses and with products and stuff. What we do is we actually look at, we test the sensitivity and resistance through laboratory testing of looking at what drugs work, which I prefer not to use. And then we look at the natural therapies because just what, like everything else, there's resistance now to a lot of the natural anti antimicrobials that people are taking, especially since the pandemic, because people were just treating with you know all sorts of supplements and all sorts of natural things, good ideas, but all these ant natural antimicrobials are no different than the antibiotics. It's just a same mechanism of action, just usually safer, less side effects. So we just have to really understand how to use them respectfully and not just say, I just take this every day or I take it for prevention. It's like you wouldn't take amoxicillin every day for prevention. So we do use a lot of that. That's our first line therapy. The only time we use antibiotics in our practice, for example, someone has pneumonia, they're in the hospital. Someone's got to get surgery. They need antibiotics. There's a certain rule and area that they absolutely have to have it. But outside of that emergency room, outside of the hospital, we try as much as possible to prevent it because of the uh, resistance issue with superbugs and also the dysfunction of microbiome where one antibiotic can cause GI dysfunction up to 18 months later. So we're trying to reduce it as much as possible. And in our book and how I look at things, increasing your immune system functioning is key. You know, lowering the inflammation is key. So if we get both of those things in the square, usually people don't have that recurrent infection coming in. It's always going to the root cause. Like Anthony was mentioned, like go to the root cause, try to figure out what that dysfunction is, fix it so that we're not just doing stopgap measures, even using natural therapies. When, when people get sick, they often say, I'm going to fight this. I'm going to be strong. You know, in the end of the day, I think it sounds great. Positive attitudes, great prayer. All this stuff is amazing. But the question is, does it work? Does it make a difference? 
does your mind, does your spiritual practice, does your love, does your heart, does your forgiveness? I, I've heard, you know, everyone always says, of course, it makes a big difference. But in your practice, in your with real world patients, does it actually make a difference in how many people get better, how many prevent getting disease? Should we be focused very hard on getting a, the perfect attitude and being grateful and not having anger? I mean, does this does this make a difference in your work? Absolutely. Epigenetics is everything. So the diet, the lifestyle environment and the belief system, which you're talking about here is key. We do have data. There's also long-term studies also showing the same thing, that that positive attitude, changing the person's heart rate variability, heart rate coherence, syncing with the brain, we're having more centeredness, meditation, mindfulness, that kind of gratitude aspect, which we now can biologically measure, actually increases natural killer cell function naturally. They, so even though we give glucan 300 and vitamin D, we're you know, measuring and monitoring these things, just by having them in that centered place actually will increase their immune system function. It will also decrease inflammatory markers. They actually live the longest. The studies will show they have the longest and longevity. Even stage four cancer patients live longer than anybody else, regardless of treatment, when they're in that centered practice. So that's what the data is. So yes, absolutely. The, the patient, because again, this is where people want monotherapy. They might be eating correctly. They might take the right product, but if they're stressed out or they're not in that centered place, which is a practice, which is almost more difficult than anything else. Anthony probably will speak to this as well. More people have difficulty in being that. That's why it's easier to do a juice or take a pill or you know do something because it's, 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 it's we want that instant gratification. But it's a, it's a self-practice of like, can we do heart rate variability? Can we do some centered practice every day, 20 minutes to get that sinking and getting our health outcome improved? And the data will show, yes, we can. So super important for us. You got to stay positive. I'm, you don't want to think you're dying. You don't want to, you know, believe you're dying. That doesn't help. You have to have, obviously, a positive outlook. You have to have a good attitude. Of course, all that counts. But even saying that, I've known some pretty miserable SOBs in some, say, neighborhood that treats their family terrible, treats their kin terrible, treats their, you know, siblings terrible, grouchy as hell 85 years old everybody in the street says that guy is one miserable miserable person never has a positive positive thing to say everybody who talks to him or that person gets berated and but he's still 85 years old 87 years old he goes out in his front yard he waters his garden he goes back into the house he starts screaming at the mailman. He calls him all these terrible derogatory names. And this guy is just the worst and miserable. But he's 87 years old. And you got a 25-year-old that's bedridden on Mattress Island. Um, and that 25-year-old that is on Mattress Island or that 22-year-old on Mattress Island is thinking positive times 100. That... 19-year-old on Mattress Island who's suffering, nice person, wouldn't do harm to anyone, thinks only, does affirmations, does everything, thinks positive, does every, meditations, everything possible and tried everything, but they're bedridden with 50 neurological symptoms and been to every doctor there was and that they can go to or they have resources to. And, and then you got that 87-year-old person who's just a miserable absolutely miserable hatred coming out of their mouth and everything else. How does that work? There's a lot of things we don't understand. And 
So, but yes, you have to have a positive everything. Yes, it's critical. You can't, you got to stay strong on that if you can. But I will say from over 30 years of experience and working with lots of doctors, a lot of sick people for decades now, um, it doesn't just always add up where, you know, being positive, doing your affirmations, doing your meditations and everything, and including other, you know, that doesn't, that's not the total package for sure. Cause there are some miserable people that have done terrible things to their friends and family. And they're still ticking <laughs> and they, you know, and they're still kicking. And then you got 20 year olds, 22 year olds, 25 year olds, they're on mattress Island, it's a medical medium term that mattress Island. And you got babies and you got children and they're sick. And, so there still is a lot to think about because in the end, it's why are they sick? Whether someone is miserable with a bad attitude or not, it's okay. why are they sick? But yeah, but I agree. You have to have a good attitude and it helps the, it helps the body. It helps in so many ways. Dr. Pye's right about that for sure. Okay. We just have one minute. So one quick question, Kate, where are you from? And would you like to ask a question? Oh, sorry. Uh, hi, Kate, hi where are you from? Yeah, where are you from? Hi, I'm from South Florida. Go ahead. Um, I have a question to AW. Um, I'm a huge fan. I read and listen to everything you put out. And you always say the details matter. So I was just wondering, Hippocrates Wellness in South Florida recommends daily shots of wheatgrass for healing. And you recommend barley grass juice powder for healing in the heavy metal detox smoothie. Can you talk about the differences between the two and can we place like growing your own um, wheatgrass, which is more accessible and easy than expensive barley grass juice powder in the heavy metal detox smoothie? We'll, well do the um, same thing. Thanks for, thanks for uh, being on here, first of all. And I'm really sorry if you're struggling on any level with any kind of symptoms. My heart pours out to you. Um, just know that. And I, I I love wheatgrass juice. I do. I'm not anti wheatgrass juice. So I will say that that's important. I think a lot of people will be like, does he even like wheatgrass juice? And I do. Um, and does it do the same thing as barley grass juice powder? It doesn't, it doesn't do the same thing. Barley grass juice powder um, is assimilates differently. It's, it has, a, it has a different structure altogether in so many ways and has different phytochemical compounds and especially when it's toxin related. But I know Hippocrates in South Florida or in Florida, um, I know that they really rely on wheatgrass juice. And I, I was always, I was always positive. I mean, towards that for sure. And positive towards wheatgrass and growing your own is a great idea. If you can, if you can, I know it's a hassle for so many people, but it's a great idea. Um, it's something that if it if you if it feels good, if it resonates with you and feels good, some people will drink it and they'll be like, well, I'm not feeling anything. I don't think it's doing anything for me. Or some people will be like, it kind of gives me a little bit of a tummy ache or it gives me a sore throat. The wheatgrass juice can give people different experiences, I've noticed. And, you know, and always you could always ask your doctor, hey, like, you know, should it be on the wheatgrass juice or so forth? But but I, I'm a big fan of the barley grass juice powder for what it does. Um, for so many reasons, but, and, but yet I'm not, I'm not against wheatgrass juice. And I think growing your own wheatgrass, if you like it, um, and it, and it feels good, I think it's, it's wonderful, but yes, barley grass juice powder, I always find through my experience all these years 
and the information I get from, uh, if you know, if you know me and you know my work, obviously, you know, it, the information comes from above. And it was always barley grass juice powder um, was really important for like the HMDS and so forth. Thanks for asking. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. Both tell us um, how someone could stay, I'm sorry, um, how someone can stay in touch with you. Where do they find more information about you, your books, your lectures? How do they, how do we get Dr. Pye with you first? How do we stay in touch with you? So you can go to sanjevani.net, spelled S-A-N-J-E-V-A-N-I.net. You can go up and sign in for our newsletter and keep in contact. We'll be opening up our podcast coming back soon, uh, which was very popular a few years ago. We'll be interviewing evidence-based practitioners, and, and maybe I'll have Anthony on to talk about certain things. Um, you can go there. Uh, we also have sanjevanistore.com. You can look at our evidence-based, clinically tested, patented ingredients and products. Uh, so it's a great place to go. And then if you want to set up a consultation, we do uh, telehealth and uh, uh, health coaching uh, sessions uh, to people all around the world. We're able to send the testing kits and products and everything uh, anywhere that it needs to be done. So that's something that people want to reach out and go ahead and reach out for us. And you also can get the book and Inflammation Nation. Uh, you can get it on our website. You can get a signed copy. Or if you like, you can go to Amazon or Audible. We also have it available there. Okay, thank you. Um, and on our website, you could just click on Dr. Pye or Dr. William or, or, or Anthony William, and it'll take you to their website. So, Anthony, how do we stay in touch with you and your programs and your books? What's the best way? Medical Medium Podcast. Just go to go there. Uh, MedicalMedium.com, of course. MedicalMedium.com. Um, and the Brain Saver books. Uh, I have them behind me right here. Those are great resources uh, with information, lots of information. Um, be prepared though once you read them <laughs> and information comes from above and um i wish i was that smart and could write these but i have to instead get the information from above uh anyway but that's that's where you can find me those those places medicalmeme.com and so forth so yes okay well i really appreciate you both coming on if we could unmute everyone else so they can also thank you we really appreciate you generously sharing this information that you guys have spent many years learning. So thank you very much. I very much appreciate it. And our audience just would like to thank you. Thank you, Dr. Pai. Thank you.